Hey, this is Kim Davis, and welcome to another DMN one-on-one. My guest today with some very interesting thoughts to share about growth marketing is Mark Nardoni. He's EVP of Pan Communications, and welcome. Thank you, Kim. It's good to be here. Great. So I know you've got almost, I see there's almost kind of a template for where a brand needs to be thinking about going when it reaches a certain stage in its development, and you call it next stage, NXT stage. We'll put the link in with the podcast. Can you start off by giving us uh, give us some idea of how you came to think in these terms? Sure. You know, we were an agency. We've been in business for approximately 25 years. Um, we sat in the market of emerging growth business for, you know, where we were headquartered in Boston. Now we have more of a national footprint. We saw a lot of things coming and going. You know, we saw a lot of early stage businesses. We worked with some of the later stage companies. And over the course of the last few years, we started to get pretty consistent questions around how do I do this? When is it right for me to think about a thought leadership program? How do I layer in influencer relations? When is it right for me to look at global communications? And we started stepping back and like saying to ourselves, you know, I, I think we need to be more of a guide to marketers around, you know, at what level of growth yeah. that they're at should they begin to engage with either an agency or their internal teams on the right way to exercise and execute most of these programs. Uh, from an efficiency standpoint, um, for a great return, so that they can then leverage that over to their executive team to show the fact that they are, you know, impacting brand, impacting sales in a specific way. Um, and so we came up with Next Stage, you know, yeah. that kind of looks at these, re- what we consider to be these three critical categories of a company's growth evolution. And um, so far, so good. It's been resonating really well with marketers out there. And I should say, as I understand it, you're particularly dealing with uh, B2B tech companies, that kind of thing, but I'm sure it uh, has much wider resonance. It does. You know, I think as a marketer, you know, philosophically speaking, you know how, how to follow and engage with your customers. You know how to be a couple of steps ahead. You probably are thinking about different tactics and approaches that you want to take to engage. Um, ultimately, as a marketer of a B2C company or a B2B company, growth opportunity, growth marketing, growing revenue, making sure that you're involved in the right level of customer experience, all kind of shows a lot of consistency across either market, whether you're B2B or B2C. So it doesn't really need to be grounded just in a B2B tech or healthcare company. Mm -hmm. That's our focus. This whole method could be used across any specific industry. Okay. Now, I see you've identified the early, mid, and late stages uh, of a company, presumably on the way to some exit strategy, whether it be an IPO, acquisition, or whatever. What stage do people really have to start thinking about growing their marketing and taking the next step up? I mean, you know, you could you could answer all the way back to you know just the whole inception of an idea. Um, but the way we approached it is, I think um, companies that have more of a seed round of funding at very very early stage, maybe products not ready for market yet, so they're still doing a lot of internal testing and maybe getting some beta testing out there. They're too early for something like this. Um, As they come into Series A and they start to scale, they start to think about, you know, multiple customer experiences. They're thinking about product revs coming out in version two and version three. They're they're starting to understand a little bit around, you know, expanding the breadth of marketing activity as well as resources. That's the ideal time to start looking at something like this because, um, you know, quite honestly, today's world for marketers confusing. 
You're getting hit with a lot of different things, whether it's influencer marketing, whether it's analyst relations, whether it's a robust content marketing program, or you got you know a customer experience play and you want to make sure you're part of a referral or a loyalty. I mean, there's so many things. Yeah. Earned media, across the board, social media community management. As a marketer of an early stage company, where do you begin? And I think that's kind of the approach that we're taking here, which is we'll help you. You know, it, you don't need everything right now. You need to be really kind of effective and personalized in your effort. Um, you know, think about two, three, four really good things as, as an early stage business and then get going, gain momentum and layer in all these other activities as your brand grows. Yep. And your your customer base pretty much grows. Okay, that, that's important, isn't it? So this isn't a like you pick your moment and do all these things. You gradually layer them in. Yeah, and quite honestly, some you know as as we go back and we think about the three stages of next stage. You have an early stage company. Think about A round, B round. You have a mid stage company. Think about graduating from a B round, getting into a C, D, E round, bigger bigger programs, you know, 170 million dollars in funding, and then you've got later stage, which kind of as you're coming out of that mid-stage category, you're thinking about some type of liquidity event. Mm -hmm. Could be M&A, could be public markets, could be a PE coming into you and kind of really infusing you with different cash and all that kind of stuff. So as you think about that as a marketer, you could be an early stage and you may want to lean into a mid-stage activity because you know what, it's right. You've mm -hmm. got a really provocative point of view out there. You have a product that's really starting to take shape and you're starting to maybe think about solutions. Mid-stage, yeah. right? I mean, you go from an early stage that's so just a product-specific company, and now you start to think about your customer experience, the pain points of your customers, the value you provide to your customers. Now you start to layer in solutions, and you're getting into that mid-stage category. So it's very simple for a marketer to sit across and say, okay, I may be too advanced. I know I'm an A or a B round, but I may be too advanced as a marketer. I think I'm going to start re reaching into maybe that mid-stage and later-stage activity and figure out what that looks like. It's kind of like... You know, it's a, it's a plug, it could be a plug-and-play model. The okay. core of it should be set. You should have some type of activity that looks across earned, paid, owned, shared, shared media, right? Yeah. But what you layer in on top of it, it's based on, and it goes back to everything that's happening in the marketer's mindset right now. You don't personalize. If you don't personalize your approach, if you don't personalize everything that's going on within the market, you're just going to, you know, you're gonna, your brand's going to be impacted. You're not going to build the equity up that you need in your brand. Okay, so let's take a look at some of the specific layers you can bake into the cake at whatever point is most appropriate for you. Um, first one is skill set. In this complex world, that is ever-expanding, isn't it? It really is. I mean, if I take you back five years ago, just from an agency model, you know, maybe outside looking into the brand, um, you know, we knew that the marketer was going to be a little bit challenged with skill set inside of their department. There were going to be some silo activities. You had demand gen, you maybe had social media, had earned media, had a whole bunch of stuff taking place. They necessarily were not collaborating and communicating with each other. That activity was siloed. I think the experience that the customer put on them became a little bit more evident that they needed to look more omni-channel. The silos dropped. Okay, so when those silos dropped, the marketer started to maybe put a little bit more emphasis on agency or building the right skill set internally. So when you fast forward to today, skill set inside of a department at a mid-sized company, you're going to come in, you're going to have demand gen, content marketing, could be the same thing. You're going to have a community manager, social media manager. You're going to have PR manager, corp comm, both internal and external comms. And you're going to have product marketing coming into play. The, the lay of the land is very different. And I fear what we've seen, in particular over the last 12 months, is that skill sets have started to change. Give you a quick example. 
five years ago or no, not a year ago, mm-hmm. um, you know, a large call it Fortune 100 brand would have had maybe 25 or 30 media relations people inside inside the front, yeah. inside the department. Today they may have two because mm-hmm. they outsource it and the skill sets changed. That skill set needs to look at how do you engage with influencers out there? How do you think organically and paid? What happens with content marketing? How do you become part of a storytelling activity? Whether maybe that was driven at the CMO level down, that's not happening anymore. Yeah. That is a bottom-up, top-down approach. Everybody needs to create a really compelling story. And and the skills now have been adjusted so that internally you start to see what you consider to be specialists uh-huh. in their roles. Yeah. Um, but all underneath a marketing program in our marketing department and that's the first part that we think about when we look at next stage which is as a marketer make sure you have the right skill set if you don't have the right skill set slow down for a quick second and and hire deploy train or bring in an an agency to work with you collectively on filling that gap that you could have on a skill set because your customers putting demands on you today that you've never experienced before because they are agile at times they're going to be disloyal they have a bad experience they're going to jump to the next brand and what are you going to do so you got to be able to think about it from an agility play as well and this it's put a lot of pressure on skills yeah that's the world we're in now you mentioned product marketing in there and uh, another layer you've got in your in your framework i guess is about the product or solution offering. Now, isn't, isn't that obvious? You've got to have a product. What's the special thing there? Yeah, I think that when, you, when, when you're coming, when you're thinking about next stage and you think early stage graduating to a mid-stage business, right? You're going out, mm-hmm. maybe you're going from B round to C round, you hit mid-stage. Your product starts to become specialized. You start to think about solutions, okay? So um, it's just not maybe spe- specific to CRM, but it could be something that becomes driven inside of a vertical market, inside of a line of business that you're yeah. offering a solution for. And the marketer now has seen that what comes with that is that may be a different buyer. You know, you maybe got to think about your persona development. How are you going to adjust based on now a wider, wider swat of solutions mm-hmm. that you're going after that the buyer has changed to you or has become expanded? Classic example, ABM. ABM, you sit there as a marketer in an ABM strategy and yeah. you, you, know, you may say, I've got one person, CIO, that I'm going after right now. ABM strategy of seven or eight people, if, based on the target and size of the brand you're going after, yeah. that you need to try to penetrate. So what do you, how do you do that? And so when we look at solution offerings, solution offering kind of runs a little bit parallel to some ABM stuff as well because it becomes a growth opportunity yeah. because you're expanding the bench of influencer in the decision-making process as well as the ultimate decision-maker. And what we're also seeing, Kim, sorry, is that um, we're starting to see that you know more of the executive-level buying decision being passed to key people that are running some of these decisions um, for influence, but ultimately saying, bring me in when you need to. I trust you so much. Make the decision if you like the solution. So we're starting to see it maybe move a little bit from a C-level, senior VP level down to people that really are the ones working within the products and engaging within the products on the, on the potential customer yeah, side. I think that's the nature of the products these days that yeah. has to happen. And in a similar kind of sense, you might start off in your early stages um, being horizontally focused, have we got any customers out there? But then you're thinking of moving to targeted verticals. Probably the most consistent thing we're seeing across our industry right mm-hmm. now is that in, in probably the easiest thing that marketers can identify, which is I sold to a single market. I sold to one or two type of buyer personas. I'm now taking a solution 
and I'm now moving a solution to a vertical industry. Mm -hmm. So where you have, may have been horizontal, you now start to see some traction inside of, let's say, a vertical healthcare or FinServe or insurance or manufacturing, and you're a technology company, you start to verticalize. The solutions follow the verticals, the thought leadership bench follows the verticals. You start to consider what's your executive leadership kind of expand to now because you need subject matter experts yeah. that can be really, really well versed in that industry or else you're not going to really fool anybody. That prospect's going to know you're not, excuse me, a vertical expert for me. So it's important to know that as you move from a single horizontal play to a vertical, you don't need to target you know, a lot of things, a lot of times brands make the mistake of trying to target too many verticals and then dilute their value proposition right. in a vertical market. So what we try to talk to them about in next stage in particular is, okay, you may have five verticals that you're targeting, but what are the two that you're gaining the most traction? Focus. Yeah. Personalize it. Do the right attention. Parlay that success over to the other markets because that's when you'll start to see a lot of different pickup and traction. Yeah. And talking of the executive bench, I mean, that, that great smart savvy team, which, uh, kicked off things when it was a startup might not be everything you need to move to your next stage so you talk about expanding the executive bench as well yeah i think the responsibility moves to you know other key executives or other key individuals within within the uh, the, the brand um to help build more awareness and credibility and value out there mm -hmm. um you cannot be just a single threaded voice out there to the industry any longer you have to make sure that you are personalizing your approach by voice by content and by all the other marketing activities out there one of the first things that happens when we start to think about moving from now no don't, don't get me wrong early stage and next stage has a dot leadership program, mm -hmm. has an executive bench. It just may be one or two executives. Right. You get to mid-stage and you start to think about all these things we just talked about prior to this, right? Solutions, solutions to verticals, verticals to executive bench. You start to think about that now means you need more support from the executive team and the voices inside of these. And so it now allows the marketer greater opportunity to expand their share of voice, uh, to think about really, really good message pull through to support the lanes at which your executive team is comfortable talking to. A CFO likes to talk to the to the FinServe market. A CEO likes to talk about growth and vision. Head of marketing may talk about the stack or the customer experience, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you can think about how you would conquer and divide that. And the other thing that becomes really, really important in this whole effort right here is that you have to audit before you deploy an executive program. Yeah. Like you can't just sit out there and think you're, because you have the title of the CEO, you should be one of the key mouthpieces speaking on behalf of the brand. If you haven't really done much before, if you don't really have a digital profile that mm -hmm. the media and other individuals are gonna go back and research on who you are and what topics do you like to speak to, then you know, you've gotta to begin to build the foundation of how to succeed in a thought, in a thought leadership program. And we try, to, we try to address it here, but in one of the content pieces we create around thought leadership, we really try to take a brand into how do you assess, audit, and deploy the right thought leadership program for your efforts. Okay, and that uh, brings us very neatly onto the next thing. We're just keeping up with customers, their expectations, what they wanna hear, who they want to hear from. Again, that should be table stakes, but it's going to get more intense at this stage. Right? Yeah, I believe so. I think that when, you know, voice of the customer is nothing new for marketers. Um, you know, maybe five or ten years ago, it was just a simple case study program. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it was inviting them to a trade show or to a user conference. And now it's totally different. If you're not working right with customers based on their speed, based if you're not one or two steps ahead of them based on their channel um, of choice, uh, you're going to miss a, a really great opportunity to engage and, and, and kind of share these collaborative experiences together. 
So this whole approach here looks at how do you do that? What's the right brand story that's gonna resonate with them? What's the behavior and what's the journey that your customers are going through as they land on some of your valued assets, i.e. your website? Yep. What are you seeing? Where are they going? Where are they dropping off? Why are they dropping off there? What's the engagement like across social? How do you bring in more content that's relevant to them during social? I like to think about a voice of the customer program really providing great impact to the, what I consider to be no longer the funnel, more of that 360 experience with the customer. If you're not at every point during a 360 degree loop, yep. engage with the customer and understand prior to their purchase or while they purchase, as they come through their purchase, what type of loyalty and, and word of mouth program you can build for them. You're missing a great revenue opportunity for, as a marketer. And so this whole voice of the customer program here at a mid-sized company looks at that. At an early stage, it's far more simplistic. That's probably, this is probably the biggest difference in next stage from early stage to the mid-stage category right. as a voice of the customer program. Okay, and it, word of mouth, that, that can involve brand advocates, influencers, I always think of them as slightly different things, um, but what's the importance of that? Well, I think that as, as marketers, you have a tendency to always get to the next most important thing, and that could be new campaign, that could be you know, new specific market you're trying to target and you're probably missing one of the best assets you have in your arsenal, which is your customer. How do you make them an advocate for you? How do you understand that they could be a really great word of mouth, um, you know, program or, yeah. or just asset for you in general? So we think about the, the term advocacy and we're coming up with a really good um, premium piece of content from from our standpoint, from Pan's standpoint, in another couple months that addresses this because mm -hmm. advocacy is broken up into two different ways. One is the customer side, even three different ways. Customer side, st other stakeholders, employees. Right. And now more than ever, marketers are looking at how do you tap into the employee to help build advocacy and support your overall brand awareness. It's been a gaping, gaping hole in a lot of marketer strategies because they have been either internal or external focused. They have been pretty much siloed. That's, well, those worlds are starting to come together a little bit more, and we see that as a golden opportunity to build more advocacy program there. And influencers are key at this stage. Yeah. You know, how do you bring the voice of an influencer to help build and support your advocacy? So it goes customers, influencers, employees. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know if you agree with me, I see a little bit of a distinction. Brand advocates I tend to think of as customers, happy, satisfied, repeat customers. Influencers are not necessarily customers. They might be people you find who are a good fit. They align with your brand. They can speak for it. Sure, absolutely, one hundred percent agree. Love when those relationships start organically. I think if, as a marketer, that's one of the tried and true things that we should be looking at consistently, which is organically. How are you engaging with some of those influences out there so that you understand that eventually, if it becomes to some type of paid relationship because you want them to be a keynote at an event or you want them yeah. to really do a really cool content series for you and it becomes paid, great, but you've built the trust and the reputation and relationship with them in an organic light, uh, that to us becomes kind of the magic moment. Yeah. And um, I think I think sometimes you know marketers are really quick to, to go down the paid model without evaluating the right organic. Because there's got to be a chemistry. Like yeah. you said, they have to have very similar approaches, philosophies, beliefs in what you're trying to do and what they're trying to do as a result. So it's more of a two-way yep. you know, value proposition than when you get to the influencers. Okay, makes a lot of sense. We've got one topic left. Two small words, but huge implications. Go global. Yeah. Wow. How'd you do that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, when you, you started off the conversation, you, you said, you know, you introduced me and you talked more about growth marketing, probably one of the biggest 
growth marketing opportunities for any brand is when they think about going abroad or when abroad comes to the US. Yeah. And what does that look like? And are you ready for it? Um, so it goes back to what are you doing um, to make sure you're auditing a lot of the external um, you know, opportunities that you see out there abroad? Um, you know, what's the right model for you? Is it, um, is it having specific field marketers within each region around the globe come into what we consider to be that hub and spoke model, which everything is headquartered out of the US and then you have a rest of world program. Measurement looks consistent, but it's all streamlined out of the US with these hub and spokes sitting around there. Or is it more of, because you have really great enormous growth opportunity in EMEA, very similar to the US, how do you co-lead both of those regions in a global scale? And do you have, again, you go back to the first point we talked about on the podcast, do you have the right skill set yeah. to support that type of global effort? What's the voice of the customer program look like globally? If it's a global brand, can you think about getting them to talk specifically around you know, the passion of the brand that they have for you, the experience they're having as a customer within each region? I mean, there's so many, you could think about a lot of duplication of activity just because you're going global, but if you don't develop the right skill set and the right working function, you know, the right working engagement on a global scale, it will quickly impact brand in a negative way. Okay, that's uh, an awful lot to think about there, but I think some really solid advice as well. And I'll I'll add in the link to next stage. Mark, thanks very much for thanks joining for us today. Me. It was great chatting with you.